This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and good afternoon to you. You're not Claudette Burns. I I am not. As I do uh, declare... I haven't seen you in a long time, Fonz I, King. I know. You were on vacation, and then uh, I think I was in when you were out, and yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like been a while. two ships. I know, right? Uh, I understand you had some adventures. We're <laughs> going to talk about that yep. in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had quite the adventure, I understand. Th- a little over 3,000 kilometers in six days on this island. <laughs> Drove a lot. Wow. Saw a lot. Price of gas is, is crazy, but uh, yeah, other than that, <laughs> it was great time, great time. Yeah, price of gas. <clears throat> right. Uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that one we, now we in a few minutes. But in the meantime, the Canadian Association of Police Governance held a conference in St. John's last week to discuss issues surrounding the importance of governance of policing in being a catalyst for change. Former RNC chief Joel Boland was among those in attendance and uh, sparked, uh, well, a little bit of conversation concerning his abrupt departure as chief and some of the difficulties he was facing at that time. Well, lawyer Lynn Moore, who has been dealing with a number of issues related to police complaints, was among those in attendance, and she joins me now. Well, hello, Lynn Moore. Hello, Linda. (laughs) So you were one of a a number of people who attended this uh, national conference on Friday about uh, policing. What were some of the concerns raised there? Well, actually, it was a it was a conference on police governance, uh, which you know is a, sl- is a nuance, but there is a difference. Um, so they were discussing issues of how the police are run um, across the country, and everywhere in Canada except in Newfoundland and Labrador, police services are administered by police service boards. And these boards deal with things like priorities for policing, discipline of police officers, and allocation of resources within police departments. In Newfoundland and Labrador, we have, you know, the two police services, the RCMP and the RNC, and the RNC is governed by the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary Act 1992, and the RCMP is governed by a contract with the province. My familiarity is mostly with the RNC, um, and that legislation, which has been around for more than 30 years now, uh, is was never really a very good idea to begin with, and it really has not stood the test of time. It leaves a lot of power in the hands of politicians to appoint the chief, the deputy chief, the superintendents, the inspectors. All those decisions are made by elected uh, representatives, not by independent police service boards. Furthermore, uh, when a member of the public makes a complaint about an officer, the chief is ultimately the person who decides whether or not a charge will be laid uh, against the officer and then goes on to determine if the officer is guilty or not guilty. So there's no separation there between what the, the, the person uh, laying the charge and the person hearing the charge. And that's very unusual in a terms of rules of natural justice and fairness. Uh, secondly, the, um, the chief has a role, a responsibility to um, present a good image for the 
public to present, you know, the police in the best possible light to encourage people to, uh, you know, cooperate with the police. The police are the community. The community are the police. And at the same time, the chief is responsible for discipline. So in his role as sort of cheerleader um, for the police, uh, he may be giving out awards on the one hand, while on the other hand, um, the officer may be subject to discipline. So it's a sort of an inherent a conflict for the chief to have to both promote the force and deal with discipline. In every other jurisdiction in the province, discipline is dealt with uh, by an independent agency. So it's being these police services boards. So it's, you know, we have a serious problem uh, with how the police are perceived in this province. We have a serious problem with uh, police conduct. And uh, we need we need more civilian oversight. And I know that we have CERT, and CERT is, you know, doing uh, serious investigations. But the legislation which created CERT, uh, the Serious Incident Response Team, that legislation only empowers them to deal with criminal investigations. So... I am representing several women who have sued the government for the actions of on-duty RNC officers who have sexually assaulted uh, women, and those matters could not be investigated by CERT if those women were not interested in the criminal process, which none of them were. So these very serious allegations um, don't get addressed by CERT if the people who are making the allegations are not interested in the criminal process. And we know that most women, most victims of gender-based violence, are not interested in the criminal justice system because there are large, large numbers of people who don't report. So we have this gap in accountability. And the, the last uh, thing that about the, the whole uh, governance of police in Newfoundland and Labrador that I find very troubling is that all the disciplinary hearings except for a very, very small number, all the disciplinary hearings are conducted in private behind closed doors and the media have no right of access. And in a democracy, closed trials, secret trials, they, you don't normally see that in a democracy. And you certainly don't see it in other provinces for concerns of major discipline. The, the, um, when a police officer is involved in major discipline, it's made public. And the reason for that is because police officers hold a great deal of power, they have a great deal of responsibility, and there needs to be a public accounting. So, Lynn, what was your participation in this particular conference? I was asked to speak at this conference, uh, given my experience with the um, with the women that I'm representing, and with the gaps that I have noted in in the current system. I was asked to speak to this national body of police governance people to talk about the current situation in Newfoundland and Labrador, and I was hoping um, that. Uh, there'd be some, uh, you know, maybe the chief or the deputy chiefs or the minister or the deputy minister um, from justice present so that they could uh, learn from the other representatives uh, from across the country who uh, work in the area of police governance. Uh, but there was, there was no one there that I could see. So what role or what would you expect of government now? 
Well, you know, there was also um, First Light and First Voice in the report that they prepared uh, for the government, which has been sitting on a shelf, uh, I assume, somewhere in government, uh, calling on the government to implement um, an independent oversight board uh, for uh, police services. Uh, they were also expressing their concerns there that the uh, that there was there was no independent oversight and uh, they were very concerned that their report had not been answered and the first light was saying that you know they had done a survey after they made their recommendations and nine out of ten people agreed with the recommendation for a police service board um, and it was handed to them in a nice tidy package but nothing has uh, appeared to have happened since then. Are you surprised that government wasn't represented at this particular conference? Yeah, I was very disappointed. I don't know if, if I was surprised. I, 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 no, I was surprised. I thought they would be there. They weren't there. So what do you expect next? I'm hopeful that um, the people in the room will tap into their connections and attempt to convince our government that independent oversight of our police services is a good thing and something that we should establish. I hope that there's a uh, response from the government that allows uh, Newfoundlanders and Labradorians to know that their police officers are being held accountable. Lynn Moore, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. That's lawyer Lynn Moore, uh, who attended the Canadian Association of Police Governance Conference in St. John's last week. And among those who were in attendance was former RNC Chief Joe Boland, uh, who had a um, relatively abrupt departure from the RNC, you recall, uh, some time ago after uh, he was putting in place um, some measures to, I, I guess, uh, deal with a number of issues that he saw within um, the police service there. Uh, anyway, if you have any thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. In the meantime, uh, coming up, some major work underway converting an iconic old garage in the capital city's West End into a social enterprise hub. This is News Talk on VOCM. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And we're back. Well, if you have been driving down Lamarchant Road recently, you may have noticed uh, some major work underway on the old Grouchy's Garage Building um, in the West End there, just as you pass Shoppers Drug Mart heading towards like the Village Mall, if you know what I'm saying, on the right-hand side. That beautiful old white... Uh, cement building with the lovely Art Deco look to it. Um, often wondered what was going to happen to that beautiful old garage. Well, uh, Choices for Youth is involved in that, and they're redeveloping the building to expand its social enterprise activity. Sheldon Pollitt joins me now. Hello. Hello. How are you? Great. So I see that they're doing uh, quite a bit of work down there around the old Grouchy site for anybody who is familiar with St. John's, and I understand you're behind that. What's going on there? Uh, we are very excited to press go on our latest project, which is creation of a permanent social enterprise hub here in the city, uh, supporting our not only our social enterprises, but uh, some partner organizations involved, and really see it as a catalyst to support social enterprise broadly across the province. So describe this idea for us then. 
So really, uh, we, we currently operate, for, for many who uh, may not be familiar, a number of social enterprises here uh, in the St. John's region, and including a temporary, I suppose, for the last number of years, social enterprise hub on Ropewalk Lane. So it's really a, a permanent home, a place to build from, a place to kind of innovate, uh, collaborate, bring new partners to the table. Uh, we're going to have a second uh, iteration of our neighborhood uh, thrift shop, uh, which folks in the east end of the city would be very familiar with. Uh, plus, our Crosscraft Bakery will have another location there as well. Uh, our longest-standing social enterprise is Impact Construction, doing work in and around the St. John's metro area for the last, oh my goodness, quite close to 10 years. It'll have a permanent home, better training space for our uh, youth employees and trainees that uh, are availing of any of our social enterprises. And our four social enterprises, a small-scale manufacturing production social enterprise called The Shop, supporting some local businesses who are maybe on the cost of scaling support so that's kind of the gist for us and then we do absolutely want to see other organizations other social enterprises uh coming to the table and you know creating even more opportunities in our case for youth and young families so how do you convert a garage into all of that <laughs> with the good uh you know construction partners so northbrook construction are helping us out on this build a uh, great group to work with so they're digging in there's a great vision created uh we work with fougere mentionton associates uh around the design so it's a real team community effort of course we have a, a wonderful partner in charlie oliver martech as well so these this is a real community effort coming around the table to create um this vision so this sounds like it's going to be like a real hub that uh, some of these other locations, will they still operate or are you bringing it all together into one? They will still operate. We want to create more opportunities uh, for youth and young families. We are all aware, for example, of you know ongoing crisis and challenges in our community. And absolutely, we continue to respond to those as well. But we also know on the other side of those kind of challenging crisis and difficult situations, is youth, in particular in our case, need employment and training opportunities? Or, you know, where does that sense of a future uh, come from? Well, it, it really is building up some of those other opportunities for when youth are ready, and they're often ready uh, to move on to getting back to school, training, into the labor market. So we want to make sure we're building out those responses as well. So tell us a little bit about some of those success stories then. So what we see is young people who, you know, come to us from, from all walks of life, quite frankly, and, and you know, sometimes they come from our other programs, sometimes they're, you know, coming directly from the community, and we see young people going into trades, we see young people going into post-secondary, we see young people going on to full-time employment in the labor market. So our role really is to support young people to a point where they can go on to that next opportunity. We always jokingly, I suppose, say, you know, we're in the business of having our employees stolen because we want to be able to then turn around and work with that next group of young people who need an opportunity. So it's really around creating stability for young people for long-term sustainable futures. So you're tearing up the the parking lot there that I've uh, I've noticed. Uh, are you planning on expanding that footprint? Uh, you know, how much is going into this particular rebuild? 
So I think when it's all said and done, will it be about 17,000 square feet, I do believe is the number of usable training, education, social enterprise space. Uh, no, we're not expanding the building, but, you know, it's it's been there for, I don't know, 80 or 100 years or so. So we just want to upgrade everything to, uh, obviously, uh, current code. So that's all that's happening on the outside. We're keeping the facade. We had a lovely chat with, I think, the folks at Heritage and Heritage We want to bring back that art deco facade as well so really a bit of a throwback to uh the history of the place as well uh and then everything else uh will be renovated to the purpose as i've just described yeah because th- that whole area has that very special feel doesn't it? it's kind of unique that sort of interwar kind of art deco feel about it Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the things that drew us to that area in terms of, you know, it's an up and coming area. And for us to have this opportunity in an area like that to really add and give something to the community at the same time, win-win for everyone. Um, So absolutely, I think it's just going to be this beautiful location, hub of activity, all kinds of things happening there. And all kinds of great new ideas will emerge over time as well, I'm sure. And when do you hope to have this, you know, up and running, so to speak? I think we've got about a year or so that we're we're looking at from a construction period. Hopefully, if all goes thing, if all goes well, uh, I think in about a year's time we'll be ready to uh, cut the ribbon, as they say. Super, Sheldon Pollitt. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for sporting and getting the word out. So, yeah, the old Grouchy's uh, garage being converted into uh, what Sheldon Pollock calls a social enterprise hub, not only for the social enterprises that Choices for Youth is already working on, but with their uh, partner organizations as well. So that's going to be very interesting in that particular area. And happy to hear that they're going to be keeping that iconic, I mean, you know the Grouchy's building, don't you, uh, Fox? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Like, I, there's nothing worse when a building like that gets torn down. You never get the same back. It's nice to keep the keep the look, keep the style. Yeah, and there's a lot of buildings in along that stretch of mm-hmm. Marchant Road that have that Art Deco, yeah. you know, 1920s, maybe 30s kind of look about them that is very unique and is a special part of our history. We often think of all the, you know, the clapboard and all of that sort yeah. of thing. But these are all um, stone, primarily concrete, yeah. and they have that... They have a they very have, they interesting have a, look about them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know what? It, it it's what gives the capital city that little bit of you know spice. It's what what makes us different from say the modern cities, right? It's the the old buildings. The fact that well, you got Kitty Vitty down there, and you got uh, the Narrows, where you basically got outports in the capital city, and you go far enough into the center of the city, and you've got the like you said Art Deco buildings. There's so much to look at when it comes to architecture. It's always a sin when some of it gets taken down so the fact that they're able to work with it is it's great it'll be around for generations to come it's great walking around the city and instead of you know looking at the sidewalk yep. uh, although you got to do that too mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't trip up sometimes but uh, instead of looking at the sidewalk look up look up and oh, yeah. sometimes look look way up <laughs> and you'll see, you know, like some of these um, more these Art Deco buildings. I mean, if you look up and look around the eaves and that and see some of the oh, yeah. very interesting artistic detail that's there, it's it's you, great. You, you don't you, find you, it You in lose that buildings. driving by. Yeah, and you don't find it in modern buildings. No, right? you really the, don't. Modern buildings are done f- basically for, well, their energy efficiency, which you can't really knock. But the, 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 the ch- ch- I hate to say it, the cheapness to put them up. Mm-hmm. Right, cheapest materials you can find.
Yeah. Which anyway, is sad. glad to see it's being sort of that that character is being kept. Well, coming up after uh, news uh, now with Sarah Strickland, we'll uh, hear from the local Ukrainian community who will be celebrating Ukrainian Independence Day. Of course, uh, two Ukrainian Independence Days now since the invasion of Russia. And while it takes on a much different kind of feel and tone, they're trying to keep it up and they're trying to keep it uh, celebratory. Uh, so we'll hear more about that when we come back after the break. This is News Talk on VOCM. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. And we're back. Well, local celebrations are planned for this coming Thursday to mark Ukrainian Independence Day. Some 3,000 Ukrainians, most of whom have arrived in the province since the Russian invasion in February of 2022, now call Newfoundland and Labrador home. This year's celebration, set for the George Street stage in St. John's, will feature music, and dance and performances and an interactive Ukrainian dancing workshop. Well, Maria Cherwick of New, uh, Ukrainian NL joins me now. Ukrainian Independence Day is celebrated on August 24th every year. And uh, um, that's been celebrated since uh, 1991, since the, um, the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, but obviously in the past couple of years, uh, you know, it's taken on uh, extra, extra meaning as Ukraine is once again fighting for, for freedom and independence and peace and safety um, for all Ukrainian people. So uh, we have um, the, a local organization um, called Ukrainian NL, and we've decided to put on a big show and celebration um, to kind of bring a positive spin to uh, this day for uh, all the Ukrainians who have joined us here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and also hopefully so that um, other people here in our province can come and experience some Ukrainian culture. Well, for sure. And I mean, when I think about Ukrainian culture, I think about color and vivacity and music and dance and high athleticism when it comes Absolutely. to the dancing. And that. Tell us a little bit about what people can expect. Absolutely. So uh, we've got a really cool program lined up. Um, there will be music and there will be dancing. Um, so the Dolia Ukrainian Dance Company uh, is a Ukrainian dance group that uh, has been founded here in St. John's in the last year. So we'll be performing uh, several uh, dances. And uh, in addition to that, there's also going to be a Ukrainian dancing workshop. So we'll be teaching everybody how to do a few steps and so like some kind of more social Ukrainian dancing. So everyone can get involved with that. And as well, we've got some great performances of few different Ukrainian acts and uh, some Newfoundland music as well because we're here in Newfoundland. What kind of thigh muscles do you need? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> it was very difficult. Um, I'm lucky because um, the, the girls in Ukrainian dancing do a lot more kind of spinning and twirling. It's the boys that really have to do all the, the jumps and the kicks and stuff. So, <laughs> but All those oh deep lunges and then up in the air about 20 feet. Yeah, nothing to it. You bet. It's a, it's a real workout for sure. But like you said, I mean, Ukrainian culture is so, it's so vibrant, so high energy. And, you know, these are the things like as well as, uh, you know, it's important to 
you know, continue to spread awareness and speak about what's currently happening in Ukraine. Um, but it's also important to share these really positive things um, because, you know, that's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for the ability to just, you know, freely be ourselves and celebrate uh, the beautiful culture that we have. For sure. So this event is going to be Thursday, is that correct? Thursday, you bet. So this Thursday, um, August 24th, uh, it's going to be outside on the street, um, on George Street, at the stage where, um, you know, outdoor performances take place there. And it's a free event, um, open to anybody, uh, all ages. And it's going to start at 7 p.m. and wrap up around 9.30 p.m. Excellent. And like you say, anyone's welcome. Absolutely. We hope to see lots of Ukrainians and also hopefully lots of Newfoundlanders, anyone who is interested in uh, checking out a really awesome show and uh, celebrating with us and showing their support. Maria Cherwick is with Ukrainian NL, and they're going to be uh, doing their Independence Day celebrations on George Street on Thursday. Have you seen Ukrainian performances, dancing and the like? Only on social media. I have not been down in person. Very colorful. Yep. Very energetic. Mm -hmm. Very athletic. Yes, very much so. Um, man, you have to be either young or, I don't know, buns of steel. <laughs> is that it's kind of intimidating to watch. <laughs> yeah. It is impressive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine now jumping. Now, it's mo- like she said, it's mostly the men that do it, but jumping 10 feet in the air and then. Kicking your legs straight out. Yeah. And, Parallel and to like the ground. Your, t- your tips of your toes are hitting your hands as right. they spread out right. sideways. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. No, it's not going to be me. <laughs> I may go take a few pictures, but I will not be partaking in any dancing of any kind. Yeah. Uh, like she said, the women tend to twirl a lot, uh, which, again, I don't understand how you can do that without falling flat on your face. <laughs> practice? Sure. Let's say practice. Again, I think you have to be young and athletic, and but it's so much fun. You can't watch it and not smile. No, I agree with that. It is uh, really something. So, uh, yeah, take uh, take it in and uh, learn a little bit more about this uh, wonderful Ukrainian culture that is suddenly among us, around us, everywhere. Um, take it in. So colorful. The costumes are so colorful. The, the uh, anyways, beautiful, beautiful yeah. stuff. It'll be a good time. Yeah. I expect to see you up there dancing. <laughs> no, no dancing. But I will, like I said, I'll take a few pictures. If I had to go, it would be hop, hop, yeah, flat. Right? Yeah. Flat on my face. Yeah, I hope they have paramedics on the scene if I start dancing. <laughs> um, thanks for that, Fonz. Well, Not for you. I mean, if I, if I decide to partake in the dancing, hope they got St. John Ambulance on staff. Yeah, mine would be trip, trip, flop. Something <laughs> like that, yeah. Um, well, coming up after the break, seeing what young, and in some cases, very young entrepreneurs have to offer. We have a lovely little story up online today about some uh, youth ventures participants, some of them quite young indeed. You should see some of their wonderful, I don't know, products that they're offering up. Well, uh, we'll hear more about that coming up uh, uh, right after the break. This is News Talk on VOCM. Join Greg Smith weeknights at 5.45 as he chats with local musicians about life, inspiration shows, and new music. Tune in to Soundcheck, your backstage pass to the local music scene on your VOCM. 
And we're back. Well, if you want to put a smile on your face and get a sampling of some great business ideas and products from some of Newfoundland and Labrador's youngest entrepreneurs, then check out the Youth Ventures Night Market at the St. John's Farmer's Market. That's this evening, running from 5 in just a few more minutes' time to 9 tonight. Youth Ventures Provincial Coordinator Robin Evans joins me now. Well, hello, Robin. Hi, Linda. How are you doing? Great. You've got a busy day today. We certainly do. We're preparing for two of our largest events of the year, so we're super excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no trouble. So tell me a little bit about this market, for, first of all, because it's happening in a short while. Yes, so starting today at 5 p.m., we are having a provincial night market for all youth centers participants um, to sell their wares and their products to the public. So it's happening at the St. John's Farmer's Market from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. We have over 55 vendors. We have five mu- uh, four musical performances and a magician from 7 to 7.40. So there's going to be lots of excitement and lots of, th- lots of things to do for all ages and families. So what can people expect there? Uh, great products, great food, great treats, um, and just lots of really cool young entrepreneurs doing some unique things. Yeah, so give us an idea of what we're looking at here. Are they um, products, innovative kind of things? Well, give us a, a few examples, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. So we have um, we have a cupcake maker coming in from Grand Falls, Windsor. We have... Um, Two entrepreneurs coming in from Carbonier, so they sell Newfoundland-inspired um, artwork, original artwork. So they have stickers, they have coloring books, they have magnets, they have crocheted items. Um, we have a full vegan skincare line. We have um, a waffle maker. We have jewelry makers. We have people selling crystals and stones. Um, crocheted items oh my goodness <laughs> the list goes on there's there's definitely going to be something for everyone there for sure well that's a really wide range of of things for sure and they're all ages so i think our youngest entrepreneur that'll be um there tonight will be about eight years old and then our on the other end of the age range would be um you know it goes right up to 29 years of age that's amazing. So how does Youth Ventures work exactly? Do you do you work in conjunction with the schools? How do, you know, how do you get in touch with young people and how do you help them build their ideas? So Youth Ventures is actually a summer program. It's a 16-week summer program that's delivered um, all across the province. So we actually have 21 sites uh, that m- make the program available to youth in every region across the province. So it's not a new program. We've actually been, it started back in 1992. And it's been delivered by the CBDCs for 26 of those years. So it's completely free to join. Our coordinators work one-on-one with participants to help them with business plan writing, um, business training, counseling, marketing support, so on and so forth. Oh, it's incredible. So I always say that I didn't know about youth centers when I was in school, but if I had, I definitely would have had a venture myself. But our coordinators, you know, they're always out in the school system um, teaching youth about entrepreneurship and encouraging youth to get hands-on with entrepreneurship and to try a business. 
and it's it's funny we actually just launched um business in a box kit for for kids so they're a great way uh for anyone that doesn't have a business idea to kind of get started but it, it's truly it's one of the most rewarding jobs because you just see a whole bunch of skills being learned by young people and you really do see um their confidence boost towards the end of a season so that's definitely my favorite part about working with youth venture for sure yeah, you get to see that enthusiasm and that creativity, which, you know, just inspires everybody, really. Absolutely. And we see, you know, we have businesses that operate for a day, a week, a month, but we also have a ton of businesses that operate year round. So it's really cool to see youth across the province just pursuing their passions and um, turning their hobby skills and interests into money making businesses. So I guess Youth Ventures really has been around long enough to see, you know, certain things come to fruition. I'm sure that young people that you've had years ago um, have, you know, made, you know, businesses out of their ideas or sparked ideas for businesses. Absolutely. We have... um you know, we've had we have participants that start with one idea one year, they come back the next, and it's something new the ne- the, the following year. Um, we have a brother and sister sister duo from Carboneer that, you know, they started as um, musicians, and now they each own their own independent ventures. So it's really cool just to see the innovation that happens, and you know, when you start with one venture, where it can go and where it can take you in your future. So they actually um, are now post secondary students, but they've been working with with the Trinity Conception Office for um, a number of years. How exciting. So the Youth Venture Awards are tomorrow. Tell us about that. Yes, so the Youth Venture Awards, that's our biggest event of the year. Um, It's all about celebrating entrepreneurial excellence across the province. So uh, we invite corporate sponsors, federal and provincial speakers, award winners and their families to come out and join in on the festivities. So uh, that event is happening tomorrow, August 22nd from 2 to 4 at the Farmer's Market. And we'll actually be awarding um, eight outstanding entrepreneurs and uh, star coordinator and a mentor of the year. Is it tough coming up with winners? Oh, my God, yes. We are actually not involved in the judging process. We actually, uh, we, all of the, so how it works is participants are kind of, they're nominated by their delivery sites, and then their nominations are brought forward to an external panel of judges of um, local business professionals. And, um, you know, there's an award criteria for each each category. There's The participants have to complete a comprehensive package. So that includes things like their business plan, um, letters of support from community representatives, their financials, and so on and so forth. And the judges get together and they, they pick the winners. So um, if we had to do it, it, it would certainly be a tough decision. And it always is for the judges because there's just so many incredible entrepreneurs um, doing amazing things. For sure. And so uh, this evening's uh, event, is is that open to the public? It is, yep. So um, that one's open to the public from 5 to 9. You can find our... Um, a full list of vendors on our Facebook page, which is Youth Ventures Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, you can find the performance schedule uh, with the Music NL performers, as well as the time for the ma- uh, the ma- magician. Sorry. Super. And uh, tomorrow's um, awards uh, ceremony taking place from two to four at the St. John's Farmers Market as well. Yep, two to four at the St. John's Farmers Market. Robin Evans, really appreciate your time. I know it's busy. (laughs) So thanks so much. 
thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing um, the public at the event tonight. If you're looking for a fun way to spend your Monday evening, this could certainly be it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you see their smiling little faces and their great little products, oh, it's, it's amazing. And some of them are like beautiful things, uh, Fawn. So I would r- recommend uh, anybody who happens to be in and around St. John's looking for something to do on a Monday evening, pop down the St. John, uh, John's Farmer's Market and take a look at some of these youth ventures. I think I'm going to have to take a trip out. Yeah, for sure. So listen. You were on vacation. <laughs> I was. And you went on a little bit of an adventure. Yeah, myself and my son uh, borrowed my parents' motor home, and we hit the road Tuesday morning, and I looked at him around Patty's Pond. He's 12, and I said, where do you want to go? And he kind of looked at me as if to say, y- you, you didn't plan anything. So we quite literally left town with no idea where we were going, and, uh, yeah, we, we hit up a few places. We spend night in Bonavista, night in Grand Falls, uh, then all the way to Lansom Meadows. Nice. So, so were some of these uh, places you visited like on your bucket list, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, kind of. There were, most of them were places that I've I've gone to shooting weddings. So my full-time job when I'm not here at VLCM is taking photos of people. And I travel all across the island shooting people's weddings in beautiful locations. But I never get to like sightsee when I'm shooting these weddings. So like I've been to Bonavista and did, I don't know, a half dozen times photographing brides and grooms up at the lighthouse but i've never gone to the dungeon right down around the pasture lands and like i've been out to new west valley but i've never really spent any time in some of the communities and i've been up to i i've been up to saint anthony and i've been to daniels harbor on the northern peninsula but i've never been to lance meadows and i've never really spent any time in rocky harbor so this time i said yeah you know what we're gonna go and i asked i basically doled out my list of places that i'd like to see and i let my 12 year old son max decide where we were going well what an opportunity for him as oh, yeah. well it was he it was pretty cool like the, i don't know if you've have you been to the pasture lands in yeah, bonavista with the, horses? with the horses yeah so we we went to we, we stopped there and uh this was our first night out and uh, no real plans and i wanted to go see the dungeon so we saw the dungeon on the way back we saw the horses and i stopped and i pulled the camera out and i said oh, i'm gonna get a few pictures so we're probably 23 to 20 30 feet away from these horses kind of keeping our distance because i know they're not wild but they're also not in a barn right so i'm keeping my distance and the biggest of them starts kind of galloping towards us which as a city boy is is a bit much and i'm just kind of like no we're just gonna don't run away just kind of take a deep breath and he came right up and he dropped his head and all he wanted was a scratch so that's all they're very very friendly oh incredibly friendly you don't want to get around their back end because you don't know they might tell you they back off in a very decisive way (laughs) i didn't didn't feel like taking a hoof to the head but uh yeah no they were they were sweet and we could have stayed there all day it was like they lined up just waiting for us to scratch them and it was was great right and it was one of those spots that if uh, if if you don't stop and like it's not it's not a tourist attraction Right. It's not like going to uh, another cool little spot we went to, a little aquarium in uh, Champneys West. They got a little aquarium and it was really cool. And it was a side of the road sign. And all it said was aquarium that way. (laughs) And I looked at Max and I'm like, "Okay, I've never been down Champneys West. So let's go. All that area of the Bonavista Peninsula is just gorgeous. gorgeous. Right. And the quality. You're a photographer. The quality of the light. (laughs) On the Bonavista Peninsula, do you find it different? I I, I don't want to say yes or no, but yeah. 
yeah uh, something something about my pictures of the horses are just gorgeous now granted it was the perfect time of day we weren't off far off sunset close to that golden hour so i got beautiful light when i shot those photos but every picture i took on this little trip and i, I i'll say si- since i kind of do it for a living i didn't have the camera out a lot i did shoot with my phone probably more than i shot with my camera but the horses i shot with my camera now i learned something about nice. champneys west just then because i it just so happens i happened to notice a an email that came in through um our uh, newsroom email um uh, list mm-hmm. this morning uh, listing a bunch of outdoor activities in Newfoundland and Labrador and one of them said uh, five zoos and aquariums in Newfoundland and Labrador and I said five? I d- didn't know. So one of them has got to be that one in Chapneys West. It's a, it, it, uh, now I don't, I haven't been down to Petty Harbor in a while but T- Petty Harbor had that mini yeah, aquarium. Mini aquarium which is fun. And it was very much like that. So it was very, it was very cool. They had a touch tank. They got a blue lobster. Uh, they got like a, a, a tank of cod. They've got salmon. It was, it, you know, it was, it was a great break for the drive, right? And the other, another spot in that area that I went down that I always find fascinating is Port Union, right? The 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 row houses that go oh, down yeah, there. Oh yeah, absolutely, right? yeah. And I kind of explained really the, different feel. Explained the history, and my son was kind of fascinated that a community like that existed in Newfoundland. And, and you see all the printing press and all yeah, that. Yeah, it's so cool. And then when Did you see the fossils? We, we didn't get out to see the fossils because... Because uh, they're right there. I know, they're I know. They're right there. I know. And I... Uh, but you know what? There's so... I, I've had so many people ask me if we saw this and we saw that. And I'm, I'm like, yes, we saw that. No, we didn't see that. Because we were trying... I had, I had five days. Because at the end of this trip, I had to be back in New West Valley for a wedding <laughs> so when right so you got to wander around a bit but you were kind of we, on we, a we had schedule when when we when we uh when we made our way up the Lansome meadows uh i said okay we can we can stay here for a few hours now we got it basically overnight and the next morning i said but we need to be in gander ish <laughs> area once again no planning uh we need we need to be there friday night i said because saturday i have this wedding in new west valley and i don't know 100 percent where we're going so i want that little extra bit of time in case we get lost and we didn't get lost it was it was all easy but i'm the type of person that i don't i don't need that review on the bridal discussion page on facebook that <laughs> i didn't show up to a wedding because i was on a road trip so yeah but um yeah, when we went to Lansom Meadows, like we went up to Lansom Meadows. That's another, I, I'm, yeah, I'm told, hauntingly beautiful spot. Oh, it was gorgeous. And like when we were camping at night, uh, I pulled out the camera and we did a few uh, star trail photos because it was just so dark, no light pollution, which is something like we see stars here. Uh, but it was just it was just incredible. And my son got to make a nail with the Viking blacksmith. He cool. got him to work the bellows. And What's uh, his name? Like Thor? Uh, I, uh, I can't remember what his name is now, and he'll kill me Ingvar. back. Ingvar. Because I've met him a couple of times, uh, which is really funny. Uh, but, yeah, my son got to make a nail. And of everything that we saw on this trip and a little bit of souvenirs, by the way, my son sampled pizza every single day and <laughs> uh is it Danini's am I pronouncing it right in Grand Falls Windsor but he says by far the best pizza he's had in the province but he got this little like two inch nail that he helped make and that is now his most prized possession Aww. so it was a great trip sounds wonderful so much to see you... in this province five days wasn't enough I could have no. taken two weeks and still wouldn't have seen everything no and I mean you really need to go on that southern yep 
you know, next year. down around Harbor <laughs> Breton, that whole Conagra Peninsula, the Bonavista, uh, sorry, the Buren Peninsula, absolutely yep. gorgeous. I've never been to the southwest coast. But, I haven't either. Know. That's anyway, another. That's another. That's one of those other the bucket spots. List. Bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fonz, thanks for that. We'll be back tomorrow. Do join us then. I'll be in for uh, Patty Daly tomorrow morning. So uh, join us on open line. I'll be looking forward to taking your calls. Uh, have a great evening.